0: The sad You know I break next, call me Jack Tate. I have no regrets while your life is fading. I'm a crazy fuck equivalent to Satan. When I'm behind the mic, I feel like the greatest. You know I break next, call me Jack Tate. I have no regrets while your life is fading. I'm a crazy fuck equivalent to Satan. When I'm behind the mic, I feel like the greatest. What up, y'all? You're listening to Sports Talk with Trop, and I'm your host, Katie Trop. Well, the Rams uh, stay hot after uh, last night's game. Uh, they got another win. They got the win 30-22. to uh, They did hang on to the win there at the end. The Saints did kind of make a little bit of a push, but if you were watching the whole game, you didn't really believe that the Saints were going to do shit uh, because overall the Rams dominated this game from start to finish. Uh, the Saints do what they do, and that has just not, not really looked that good, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but, uh, the Rams are the exact opposite. They are on fire and all of their dudes on offense are, uh, really getting going. You know, Stafford had a great night, 24 for 34, 328 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, running back Kyron Williams had 104 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And then of course, uh, the rookie receiver Puka Nakua had 164 yards and a touchdown, and he made some pretty big plays yesterday as well. So, uh, he continues to uh, to be an excellent rookie. Uh, too bad for him that uh, CJ Stroud is is more than likely, in my opinion, the rookie of the year. But Puka Nakua is making a good uh, good argument for him. But uh, I just kind of feel like Stroud's done way too much. But Puka Nakua is looking great. He's looking like he's definitely the future of the team. And then of course you have Cooper Cup, uh, who made some plays last night as well. Um, and uh, he's you know this team's looking pretty good. Uh, headed into the playoffs, and the Saints are not. Uh, and uh, so let's move on to the rest of week 16. Um, in my head-to-head matchup with uh, Simon Ruvalcaba, I am running away with this shit now. Uh, last week I went 13-3, and and he went 9-7. and So I pushed my lead up to uh, I have 145 wins and 79 losses. He has 133 wins and 91 losses. So he is eight games behind me. So we'll see what uh what happens this week. We both uh went started the weekend off 1 and 0 because we both had the Rams last night. I had the Rams winning 34 35 to 24. He had the Rams winning 27 to 19. So let's get on let's move on and uh since you know it's a it's a holiday weekend, it's the end of the season. We have us a jam-packed weekend of football. I mean, it is just basically All football, all day, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and that is fucking fantastic, in my opinion. So we have, let's start off with Saturday's games. We have two games on tap, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right now, the Bengals are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The Bengals, you know, they lost Joe Burrow about a month ago, started off shaky without him, but uh, now they actually are playing pretty well. Uh, Offensively, they really haven't lost a step. Uh, Just the one bad game from Browning, but overall they look pretty good. Um, And then defensively, they're they're making uh, moves. Uh, They did lose uh, their big defensive tackle last week for the rest of the season, so that's probably going to be a big deal as the season wears on. Uh, But lucky for them, they're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And while I usually um, think division matchups tend to be good, just the Steelers are not looking good at all offensively. They are stagnant, and it's just like you could tell the frustrations boiling over. Uh, wide receiver Deontay Johnson has just been throwing temper tantrums all season long. He hasn't been blocking. He hasn't been making plays. There was a, a a fumble a couple of weeks ago, and he didn't even move. The ball literally went right in front of him, and he didn't even move. <clears throat> so this team is just they're reeling, and they just and even though their defense is spectacular, it. It, it's starting to, it, it's it's not making up for what the problems are on offense. So I don't think this is going to be a good game for the Steelers. I think it's going to be a pretty typical game from what we've seen from the Steelers. Uh, and like I said, the Bengals are on fire. And while, yes, this is a division matchup, usually you stand up for a division matchup. I just think the Steelers are just too far gone this season. And I have the Bengals winning this one 23-10. And uh, Simon also has the Bengals winning this one 20-10. Then the second game on Saturday is the Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles Chargers. Right now, the Bills are a 14 and a half point favorite. Uh, that should just tell you how bad the Chargers are. Not only are they missing their starting quarterback, Herbert, for the rest of the season, they just are terrible offensively. Uh, they're not good defensively, and they're just an awful ass team. Uh, they've Finally fired their coach, so usually that'll light a fire under your ass, but, I mean, come on, this team is just terrible. Whereas the Bills, uh, they are actually on fire right now. Uh, they are clicking on all on all cylinders, and uh, they just look really good. So I've got Buffalo winning 24-14, to 14, and Simon also has Buffalo winning 24-12. to 12. Moving on to our Sunday-Christmas Eve matchups. The uh, early games, we have uh, the Indianapolis Colts at the Atlanta Falcons. Right now the Colts are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. You know, both of these teams have been uh, very up and down all season, but the Colts are a much better team than the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons are just terrible. They have played well at home, but they've just really started to fall off uh, the last couple of months. And the Colts, they still are a team that's uh, vying for a playoff spot. And so I just feel like they're going to come right in and uh, completely annihilate the Falcons 28-10. to And Simon also has the, the Colts winning this one 16-9. Then we have the Seattle Seahawks at the Tennessee Titans. Right now, the Seahawks are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, The Titans, uh, it looks like Tannehill's probably going to start this week because uh, um, Levis, he sprained his ankle last week, so they're probably just going to end up playing Tannehill, which isn't a a bad thing to have him as your backup right now. But the Titans, they they are now officially eliminated from playoff contention, so they don't really have much to play for. That's not to say they're not going to show up for this game. Um, but it's just I just kind of feel like they don't really have much to play for, so you might as well uh, just kind of pack it up in, in your mind, if you will. Whereas the Seahawks, they are still fighting for a playoff spot. They're coming off of a big win over the uh, Eagles last week, and I just feel like they're they're playing at a higher level, have a little bit more to play for, and so I have the Seahawks winning a close one, twenty to seventeen. And uh, Simon also has the Seahawks winning this one, twenty four to seventeen. Then we have the Detroit Lions at the Minnesota Vikings. Right now the Vikings, or I mean, the the Lions are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, The Vikings, they just are starting to fall off, as they should. I mean, they are now officially on their fourth quarterback of the season. Uh, They really don't have a lot going on anyways. And uh, Detroit is on the the upside of things here. And uh, they are trying to win their division for the first time since, I believe, 1993 or something crazy like that. And uh, they just are really looking to get into the playoffs. Well, I don't expect this to be an ass-kicking. I kind of feel like this is going to be a battle all the way to the end. I think the the Detroit Lions are obviously the better team in this matchup. And I have Detroit winning a close one, 23-21. And uh, Simon also has Detroit winning a close one, 24-20. Then we have the Washington Commanders at the New York Jets. This is officially like the worst game of the week between two terrible-ass teams. Right now, the Jets are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I was torn on this one because they're just so bad. Both teams are just so terrible offensively. Uh, defensively is where the Jets have the, the commander's number uh, because Washington is just terrible at all phases of the game. So I just kind of feel like the Jets are going to put together enough defense to uh, put their their offense in scoring position, maybe even possibly score a defensive touchdown. Uh, but I just feel like they're going to do just enough to get the win in this one. And since it's two terrible teams, I expect this to be a terrible game. And I've got the Jets winning 14-13. to 13. This is uh, one disagreement between Simon and I. He also has a terrible game in which the Washington Commanders win 17-10. So we don't think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. And quite frankly, it probably won't be. Uh, Then we have the Green Bay Packers at the Carolina Panthers. Right now the Packers are a -a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The Packers looked like they were going to be a shoe-in for the playoffs. And now all of a sudden that's not looking looking so uh, hot for them right now. They've fallen off the last couple of games. Whereas the Panthers, they are obviously the worst team in the league. They can't get anything going. They've already fired their coach. So um, I'm not really expecting much from the Panthers in this one. Uh, the, while I feel like the Packers uh not playing well right now, I do think they're uh, overall a much better team than the Panthers. So I feel like they're probably going to end up blowing out the Panthers in this one, 27-10. to 10. And uh, Simon is uh, sticking with his team as he should because uh, I kind of uh, uh, was uh, making fun of him last week because uh, he picked against his Panthers. And I was like, even though he got his ass beat last week, I was kind of like, well, that's what you get for picking against your Panthers. And so this week he's not picking against his Panthers. He's picking the Panthers to win a close one, 24 to 21. Uh, Then we have the Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. Right now, the Texans are a two and a half point favorite. It's looking like CJ Stroud is not going to play in this one again. Um, However, that doesn't really change my opinion on how I feel like this game is going to turn out. Um, I think Houston's defense is very underrated, and I feel like they're going to be the deciding factor in this game. Um, I also just feel like Cleveland is kind of feeling themselves right now. They're on a winning streak, and it's probably time that winning streak stops. So I just kind of feel like Houston's going to put together a really solid game with or without C.J. Stroud. And I have the Houston Texans winning a close one, 20-16. And uh, this is one where Simon and I disagree. He is taking Cleveland to win this one, 24-17. Uh, Then the afternoon games, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right now, the Jaguars are a half-point favorite. Um, I don't know if that's changed because it's looking like Trevor Lawrence is not going to play tomorrow. And um, for me, that also doesn't change the deciding factor in this game because I do think the Jaguars, uh, they're reeling right now and they're on a losing streak. Um, And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not really a consistent team. They are kind of hot right now. Uh, But I just kind of feel like the Jaguars are a better team. I feel like they're playing for pride, and they really want to maintain their division lead and and go into the playoffs with at least a good win here. I do think it's going to be a close matchup, but I have the Jaguars winning this one 27-24, and Simon also has the Jaguars winning this one 24-14. Then we have the Arizona Cardinals at the Chicago Bears. Right now the Bears are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, this is a matchup between two terrible-ass teams, so it should actually probably turn out to be a good game uh, because they're on equal playing level, basically. Uh, but since the Bears are at home, and the Bears actually have uh, shown some life against uh, certain teams this season, especially shitty teams, um, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Bears in this matchup, 23-20. to And Simon's also going with the Bears in this matchup, 21-7. to then we have the Dallas Cowboys at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, right now, the Dolphins are a half-point favorite. Um, I'm expecting this one to be an offensive shootout with uh, the Cowboys' defense just uh, making enough plays to make sure that they get this win. Um, you know, neither of these teams have really proven themselves. Um, the Cowboys actually have, but uh, not not in the ways everybody thinks they should, and especially since they got their asses beat last week to the to the Bills. That's uh, You don't want to see that, but they actually have beat some good teams this year, whereas the Dolphins haven't beat any good teams. And when the Dolphins face a really good defense, which the Cowboys have, they really haven't fared well at all. Um, but in my opinion, I do expect this to be an offensive shootout where they're just trading barbs offensively. But like I said... I feel like the Cowboys' defense is going to make enough plays where they might uh, get a turnover here and there to make uh, to, to get the you know the game sealing turnover or something of that nature uh, to to get the win. And I feel like the Cowboys are going to get a big win, thirty-five to twenty-eight. And Simon also thinks the Cowboys are going to get the win, thirty to twenty-seven. Then we have uh, Sunday Night Football is the New England Patriots at the Denver Broncos. Right now, the Broncos are a five and a half point favorite. Um, and, you know, New England just has been terrible this season. The Broncos have had their moments, uh, but I just kind of feel like the Broncos are a much better team than the Patriots. And I think the, the Broncos are going to pound the Patriots 24-7. to And Simon also has the Broncos winning this one 24-16. Then on Monday, we have three games on Christmas Day. We have uh, first up the Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs. Right now the Chiefs are a 10.5-point favorite uh, the Chiefs really haven't um, really haven't had any ass-kicking games other than the Chicago Bears game many months ago, by the way. Uh, but they really haven't done anything great this season. All their wins have been pretty ugly, and I'm actually expecting this to be the same. Um, while the Raiders, I don't think, are a legit team, they've definitely shown and played much better since uh, Antonio Pierce has taken over as the interim coach. And they do play really hard, especially on the defensive side of things. So I actually think... Um, this is going to be a very defensive game for both teams. And, um, I, I think, uh, Max Crosby and gang are going to give, uh, the Chiefs some fits throughout the day, but I think the Chiefs are going to do just enough to get the win 23 to 17. And, uh, Simon has the exact same score that I do and the exact same, uh, win. We both think the the Chiefs are going to win 23 to 17. Then we have the New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. Right now, the Eagles are a 10.5-point favorite. Uh, The the Eagles are coming off of a three-game losing streak right now. They aren't playing very good football. The Giants are just an absolutely atrocious team, but this is a division matchup. So I do expect them to show up for this game, especially with how terrible they played last week. Um, I'm obviously rooting for a win because uh, the, the Cowboys could use some help from the Giants in this matchup. So uh, I'm really actually rooting for the Giants for once in this one. But the Eagles, I feel like uh, they're playing for pride. They're at home. Um, If you don't know, the Giants have not um, won in Philadelphia, literally since Tom Coughlin was their coach. And so that was years ago. Uh, So they don't play well there, even if they're a halfway decent team, which they are not. And uh, like I said, I I feel like the Eagles, they need a win and they're probably going to get the win. And so I have the Eagles winning a close one, 24 to 14. And Simon also has the Eagles winning it 34 to 21. And then the game of the week, obviously, is going to be Monday night football. The Baltimore Ravens at the San Francisco 49ers. Right right now, the Niners are a five and a half point favorite. Um, I feel like this is going to be a fantastic matchup between two really good teams. Um, with that being said though every time that has happened this year that actually turns out to not be true usually one team just absolutely dominates but let's just hope that's not the case this time around um the the Ravens feel really disrespected by the five and a half point favorite which I, I agree with because I think that the Ravens are one of the best teams in the league and obviously since they're the top seed in the uh in the afc but they have had some weird losses, but at the same time, the Niners lost three straight, and they weren't to really good teams either. One of those was the Cleveland Browns they lost to. But anyways, um, right now, though, the Niners are on hot streak. It, but the Ravens, they've really went toe-to-toe against every good team they've played this season, and I expect it to be the same in this one. I actually think this is going to be an offensive shootout uh, with the Ravens' defense holding it down and uh, taking care of business when they need to and making the big plays to actually get the win in this one. Um, If you don't know, Lamar Jackson is undefeated against NFC teams. San Francisco 49ers are an NFC team, so I think that streak's going to continue in this one. They just usually step up their game against really good teams, and like I said, I feel like the Ravens' defense, probably the most underrated that a lot of people don't talk about, even though they lead the league in sacks. I feel like that's what's going to happen here, is that they're going to make enough plays to uh, upset things and uh, get the edge over the Niners. And I have the Ravens winning a close one, 31-28. And uh, this one, Simon and I disagree on. He has the Niners winning a close one, 27-21. Moving on to the NBA, we had a couple of uh, big games this week. Beginning on Tuesday, uh, John Morant, he he finally officially finished his suspension and came back to... uh, to play with the Grizzlies, who absolutely need him because they have played terrible this season without him. Well, in his first game back, he hit the game-winning shot over the New Orleans Pelicans, who are a good team this season. He hit the game-winning shot for the uh, for the Grizzlies to win 115 to 113, and his uh, total stat line ended up being 34 points, eight assists, and six rebounds. Uh, so he really hasn't lost a step. So that's good to see. Um, also, maybe maybe taking the first couple of months off is actually going to be a good thing to help him um, last longer and uh, have, you know, more stamina uh, throughout the season just because he didn't start the season, you know, in October like everybody else. Uh, so maybe this will help him propel them to a uh, little... Little bit of a run here, but the the Grizzlies have really missed him, and uh, it showed with his his first game back. He played a huge role and uh, had the game winning shot to top it off. Speaking of big games, though, on Tuesday night, uh, the Golden State Warriors got a big win over the Boston Celtics, an overtime win against the Boston Celtics, uh, one thirty two to one twenty six. Uh, but it was all about that dude, Steph Curry. Um, everybody likes to talk about how uh, LeBron's maintained his play throughout his age, which, yes, it is an accomplishment and uh, it should be celebrated. But should we should also be celebrating Steph Curry in the exact same way. The dude has not lost a step. He has obviously... Uh, the heart of the Golden State Warriors, and uh, as he goes is how they go. He dropped 33 points and six assists and was huge in the fourth quarter in overtime. And uh, like I said, Golden State got a huge win over a really good Boston Celtics team uh, who didn't look good down the stretch. Then on Wednesday night, talking about going off. Joel Embiid went off for 51 points and 12 rebounds in a Philadelphia 76ers win over the Minnesota Timberwolves, 127-113. to The Timberwolves ain't no chumps, but Embiid made them look like chumps. 51 points. Huge game from him. Tyrese Maxey also uh, dropped 35 points, so it was also a huge game from him and a big win for the Philadelphia 76ers. And then uh, last night we had... um, something hilarious happened. The Detroit Pistons, arguably the worst team in the league this year. They are a, their record is two wins and 26 losses. Yes, two wins and 26 losses. And uh, last night they suffered their 25th loss in a row. Yes, the Pistons have lost 25 games in a row. Um, and, uh, their, uh, their fans weren't too happy last night in the loss, uh, to Utah 119 to 111. They actually started chanting, sell the team. I don't know how that's going to improve this team, but, um, 25 losses in a row. I mean, I thought, uh, the Spurs were terrible because the Spurs are the second worst team in the league. They only have four wins on the season and they had an 18 game losing streak that, (laughs) that they broke to against my Lakers last week. So, uh, Yeah they they would be right there with them, but Detroit is just, whoa. It's and it's crazy, too, because Detroit has been historically a really good team. You know, they had the uh, the bad boys back in the 80s with Isaiah Thomas and Lamb Beer, and, you know, they were one of the greatest teams literally of all time. Uh, they, uh, you know, they went to championships. They played Michael Jordan like he was a little bitch. Uh, they killed the Lakers. I mean, they just were a badass team. And then you had the uh, the Pistons of the 2000s, who I fucking vividly remember, especially in 2004 when they crushed my Lakers in the finals. But that team was really freaking good with Billups and Ben Wallace uh, and Rip Hamilton, you know. So they've had their highs, but Jesus Christ, 25 losses in a row. That's uh, that's pretty bad. Um, I, I'm shocked they even had fans, uh, enough fans in the stands last night to even chant sell the team. But uh, k- shout out to you Detroit fans who actually show up for your teams because... Uh, other than the Lions, uh, this year has been pretty bad for you in baseball and basketball. So, uh, But yeah, 25 losses in a row from the Pistons. We'll see where we're at next week if, they, uh, if they're able to finally break that streak or if, uh, if they keep on losing. And if they keep on losing, I'll, I'll update you. Uh, so uh, decided to uh, do a different type of list this week. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually uh, talking about uh, Hall of Fame, uh, foot, Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, nominees and who I think should go in. And I actually mentioned the most feared defenders, which uh, that's what I decided to do this week could put the idea in my brain of who I actually think the most feared defenders in the NFL are. Um, you know, because I mentioned James Harrison because he was a feared defender. And uh, but I mean, I'm going to keep it real with you. He ain't as feared as my top 5. As a matter of fact. My top five most feared defenders are all all old guys. None of them are from. Let's see the the last guy he he retired in '93, Uh, so uh, and it's just because you know today's game is more geared toward offense. First of all, second of all, the whole health and safety thing. uh, There's so we we got to bubble wrap everything uh, because of the complainers. Not saying I I don't think we shouldn't care about. players' health and safety, but I just kind of find it ironic that um, men who are playing the sport of football where they're literally running into each other, tackling each other, and blah, 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 all over the the field, kind of find it weird that you actually think it's odd that they get hurt and suffer really debilitating injuries throughout their life, but I digress. Um, So I I didn't pick any guys from today's day and age just because, you know, uh, I'm not saying we don't have good defenders because obviously we do. We have a lot of great defenders. Defensive players in today's day and age and in the 90s and everything, but they weren't as feared as uh, dudes back in uh, the 70s and uh, even the 60s um, and and just guys who started this shit because, like I said, the rules were different. I mean, some when I was watching the highlights of some of these guys, I mean... uh, there's two in particular, uh, number five and number one, who would probably be kicked out of the game because they would get suspended so much and banned from the game from some of the shit that they did back in their time. Uh, but uh, it was it was actually fun to watch. And, and to be honest, I actually do like these defenders better than today's just because I think it is more exciting to watch them uh, rip apart quarterbacks and absolutely annihilate people because that's what football's all about. But I know I'm in the minority on that one. We... I don't live in this bubble wrap culture, but uh, you guys have fun with that that shit. So uh, none of my defenders are from today's day and age um, because they're not as feared as they used to be. Um, and, and part of the criteria in this is not just how uh, crazy you were on the field, but when I was watching the highlights, a lot of them had um, some of their opponents discussing things they would think When they're playing them and uh, even all of their opponents used to say, dude, I was scared of this guy on the field or Jesus. Every time this guy played, it was like he wanted to uh, body bag your ass. It was just so it's not just what they did on the field and some of the hits that they made and just some of the things that they did. But it's also what their opponents said about them, because that says a lot. Um, Also, another reason why uh, defenders back in the day were um, much more ruthless is because in today's day and age, they're more friendly with each other. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying they all hang out with each other a lot. Uh, they tend to be, um, since today, in today's day and age, you know, they have sponsorships and stuff. So when you're filming commercials, sometimes you're filming with other guys from other teams and they just intermingle with each other a lot. So they tend to be friends. And so they're not, they not—they don't hate each other as like, like they used to. And you can tell that even in basketball and baseball, because like in basketball, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson would have never played with each other on a team. They never would have said, um, if they were free agents, None of neither one of them would have said, oh yeah, I want to team up with Larry Bird so I can win another championship. Magic Johnson would have never said that. and You damn sure get, that Larry Bird would have never fucking said that either. But in today's day and age, you know, we got all uh, LeBron joining up with D-Wade and Chris Bosh and that kind of shit always happening in today's day and age. So, they really actually hated each other back when they they played um, all sports um, in their rivalry days. But they don't. It's not that same way. And I'm not to saying they don't hate each other now because there are plenty of players who talk shit about each other. But I'm just saying, for the most part, they uh, they don't play the same way that they used to. Anyways, let's get to uh, my most trop fi- my top five most feared defenders in the NFL, beginning with number five. You can't be shocked that this guy uh, made my list because, for one, um, I have a song written about him. That's how much respect I have for this guy. Uh, But he had to make the list. And quite frankly, um, it was hard to not put him at, like, number two because he's one of the craziest players of all time. And that is Jack Tatum, also known as The Assassin. Yeah, when you're known as The Assassin, obviously you're a scary motherfucking dude. He played with the Oakland Raiders from 1971 to 1979, and he played with the uh, Houston Oilers in 1980. He was a safety, and he was one of the hardest hitters you will ever see in the sport of football, ever. Put ever in caps lock, bold, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. This guy would be banned from today's game. I mean, I, when I was watching his highlights, I was laughing so hard because, uh, you know, DeMonte KZ, the uh, the safety of the Steelers, last week he, um, he got thrown out of a game for targeting, which if you actually watched it on instant replay, he didn't hit the dude's head. He hit him as you should, but they threw him out of the game. And for, for multiple offenses, he's actually banned for the rest of the season. Um, and when I was watching Jack Tatum, I was like, shit, man, not only would he have been, um, suspended and then banned for the rest of the season, he would have been banned the next season. Cause this motherfucker, there were so many plays like after the ball's dead, he, he literally launched into dude's heads regularly. And he just was an absolute murderer on the field. But, um, let me tell you one reason why this guy belongs on here. And I know I'm not supposed to glorify this. Give zero fucks if you have a problem with this. But he did break a dude's neck on the field. He broke Daryl Stingley's neck, uh, wide receiver of the Patriots at the time. Um, Honestly, it wasn't one of the hardest hits I've ever seen uh, from Jack Tatum, but it was a hit and he did break his neck. Um... So when you break somebody's neck, you're obviously a feared dude and you're you're one of the uh, the craziest players on the field. And that's what a lot of his opponents said. Nobody wanted to cross over the middle. If you saw Jack Tatum, you go in the opposite direction because that guy is going to blow you up every single time. Some of his career highlights, outside of being an insane defender, he did win a Super Bowl with the Raiders. He did have 37 career interceptions, 10 fumble returns, and a touchdown. Um, but, uh, I mean, overall, he was extremely feared and just... I I would put him probably as the, the the top hardest hitter of of all time. I mean, when you, seriously, do yourself a favor and go go watch some highlights. It's actually what I really like about putting together these top five lists of mine um, is because I do uh, actually do research, so I can uh, decide who I feel like is better than the other one, if you will. And when I watched highlights of all five of these guys, I was just so impressed. And it's just like so fun to see how different the game was and how they used to let them play. Uh, But especially these defenders and man, Jack Tatum would literally, it was like he wanted to make you explode every time he tackled you on the field. Then at number four on my top 5 Most Feared Defenders, Jack Youngblood. He played with with the Los Angeles Rams from 1971 to 1984 at defensive end. Um, First of all, this guy took over for um, one of the greatest defenders of all time, and that's Deacon Jones. I'll get more into him because, spoiler alert, he's on the list as well. Um, so, how lucky are the Rams to have gotten these two amazing defenders? But like when Jack, when you watch Jack Youngblood, it's to be to keep it quite real. I didn't really know who Jack Youngblood was. I've heard of him uh, because I. The reason why I've heard of him is because he played the NFC Championship game in 1979, and the Super Bowl, and the Pro Bowl on a broken leg. That is a crazy ass motherfucker right there. Um, So that's why I know of who he is, but I never like really watched highlights of him or anything. And um, I'm glad I actually did because this guy was insane. He would just like throw guys out of his way. And it's just crazy to watch him. And I feel like one of the reasons why we don't really hear about him as much as you should is because he played for the Rams, even though the Rams were really good when he was on the team. Um, But uh, he was, He was just insane, and uh, like I said, he played on a broken leg, and so that just goes to show you what an insane player he was, because he's like, I'm not letting no stupid broken leg uh, stop me from playing in the most important games, except for the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is not important at all. Still, he played in the Pro Bowl, and in today's game, Pro Bowl is flag football now. Not even a joke. It is literally flag football now, so that just goes to show you how, uh, how much more tough they were back in the day. Um, but anyway, so uh, it, one of the things about Youngblood is is a lot of people who, a lot of offensive linemen would, <laughs> you, you could actually see them crumble sometimes that they were just so scared of him because he was just going to, you know, throw them away. He even had a, a, a play where he, like, the, the quarterback, he practically, the quarterback was about to throw the ball and he practically just grabbed the quarterback's throwing arm and was like, no, bitch, and just put it down to his side and uh, sacked him instead um, some of his career highlights are he's a five-time first-team first All-Pro. He uh, led the league, league in sacks twice. Um, he, um, overall, now the thing about the majority of these, yeah, the majority of this list, there's only one player on here who actually, his sacks counted. Because the NFL actually didn't start uh, counting sacks on the quarterback until 1982, so there are a ton of defenders in this league whose sacks totals we don't even know. Part of the reason why is because, um, um, you know, back in like the the 50s, we don't even have those games on film anymore. So, for example, you, you don't know really how many sacks Dick Butkus actually had throughout his career because he played in a time where um, football wasn't as available as it is now. And so um, there are some guys who they've been able to go back and uh, – at least get a number of, or an idea of how many sacks they had. But the majority of these guys, we don't even know how freaking good they were because they didn't even take total sacks until 1982. And that, that takes out a whole in, insane amount of great players. Um, and Jack Youngblood is one of those. So, so apparently, his career sacks are 151 and a half, is how many career total sacks he, he may or may not have. Uh, because for the majority of his career, it, they, the sacks weren't counted. Um, he did have uh, 10 fumble returns and two safeties. And like I said, he replaced Deacon Jones. So, and if you have not watched Deacon Jones highlights, then you don't know. Uh, but uh, Jack Youngblood, one of the most feared defenders of all time, and his opponents said as much and showed as much on the field when you watch a few of them crumple to the ground. Then at number three on my top five most feared defenders, the aforementioned Deacon Jones, defensive end of the Los Angeles Rams from 1961 to 1970, uh, then played for the San Diego Chargers from 1972 to 1973, and rounded out his career with the Washington Redskins in 1974. Um, Deacon Jones actually coined the term sack. Um, like I said, they didn't count it, and they didn't count the sacks until for his entire career, but it's estimated that Deacon Jones had a total of 173 and a half sacks. That puts him at third all time, only behind Bruce Smith with 200 and Reggie White with 198. And so that means he had 173 and a half career sacks for like a million years. Um, and Deacon Jones, he created. Um, not only did he coin the term sack on a quarterback, and basically where he came up with it is like because you're you basically turning the uh, the quarterback into a sack of trash and you're just throwing him out is basically. Uh, what he would say. Uh but his signature move was a head slap. He basically um studied Muhammad Ali and kind of and he noticed that like if you slap somebody on their head, it's gonna you're gonna have a flinch moment. And he felt like that was the second he needed to get past them. And he was such a badass at it that they actually had to ban it from the game because you know he's, he's he's not actually slapping you in the face he would slap you on the side of the helmet but I mean he's right it's 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 gonna make you flinch and I mean you should watching Deacon Jones is just it's something else it's 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 amazing to watch the great Deacon Jones um the highlights that I watched of him um, especially the head slap because he's right it would just it would give him that extra second to uh, get right past the defender and just mollywop them into the ground. Um, some of his uh, his ac- career accomplishments, he's a two-time defensive player of the year, five-time first-team uh, All-Pro, as was Jack Youngblood. So that just goes to show you the Rams went from Deacon Jones to Jack Youngblood, two of the most insane, great defensive ends the league has ever had. Um, and just seriously watching him is crazy and when I went and looked back at his sacks because I noticed I'm like why why don't they have how many sacks he has and I was like oh yeah that's right because he played in a time where they didn't keep track and so I went and looked it up and they did um, apparently uh, some people have gone back and uh, watched old games and they have calculated 173 and a half career sacks for him that's just insane but like I said um Everybody had – every one of his opponents was just absolutely in fear of his ass in every single game, and uh, the head slap is just what would kill everybody. And obviously, if you create – a, if you're the reason why they get rid of something like that in the league, you obviously are feared. And uh, go do yourself a favor. And if you have never seen Deacon Jones' highlights, I implore you. You think Reggie White was great, and I think Reggie White was great. <laughs> You know, you need to go watch some Deacon Jones highlights. This guy probably is the greatest defensive end in the history of football, and that says a lot, but that guy was nuts. Then at number two, one of my top five most feared defenders, Lawrence Taylor, the linebacker of the New York Giants from 1981 to 1993. He is obviously the uh, most recent of all the guys on this list. Um, and, uh, like I said, luckily for him, only one season of sacks did not technically count on his career. Um, and of course, you know, honestly, not only was he an insane defender, but when you hear the way opponents talk about him, yes, he was that feared. He played insane. Also, once again, I know I'm not supposed to glorify this, but he absolutely snapped Joe Feisman's leg in half on Monday Night Football Um, It's one of the most iconic moments in football history, and Lawrence Taylor did that. And when you do that, you're obviously the most feared motherfucker in the league. Um, Some of his career highlights, two-time Super Bowl champion. He was the league MVP at one time, time, uh, three-time defensive player of the year. He has 142 career sacks, 33 forced fumbles, 11 fumble returns, nine interceptions, and two touchdowns. And uh, just seriously, this guy would just throw defenders or throw offensive linemen right out of his way and just absolutely annihilate the quarterback. And uh, like I said, you know somebody's feared when they absolutely, um, when they they give you a career-ending injury as the likes of Jack Tatum and Lawrence Taylor, you have to be on the most feared defenders list. Like I said, don't care if you have a problem with me uh, quote glorifying it. I'm not, I'm only just actually stating the truth and Honestly, that does make you feared, and it does make you a badass, in my opinion. Sorry, don't care. Um, but, uh, yeah, Lawrence Taylor absolutely had to be on here. And um, just seriously, watching him just is, it's just crazy. It's just crazy to watch this guy. Uh, but number one on my Trial 5 Most Feared Defenders list, and it, it was no question to me, um, just the way every opponent has ever spoken about him. Even, even the likes of Deacon Jones have uh, have quotes about what an insane motherfucker this guy was on the field. So if an insane motherfucker is calling you an insane motherfucker, you are an insane motherfucker. And quite frankly, when you watch this guy's highlights, there is no question. There are zero people who are more feared than this man on the field. Um, also, this is a man who would 100% be banned from today's game because he was just like Jack Tatum, dirty as fuck, and he did not give a fuck if the if it if the the play was over, he'd still annihilate your ass. He murdered so many quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, offensive linemen. There are so many people in the wake of the great Dick. Butt kiss. Um, not only one of the most feared defenders, but also the greatest name of all time with Dick Butkiss, uh, linebacker of the Chicago Bears from 1965 to 1973. He has been. He's arguably the greatest, most feared defender of all time. I mean, seriously. When when I was watching highlights of the all throughout the highlights, not only are you watching him annihilate people, but it's just person after person after person just talking about how crazy he was on the field and how they didn't want to f- play against him and how their heart would be beating as they see him across the offensive line. It's just he put the fear in motherfuckers. And in my opinion, he's what every defender ever throughout the history of time should ever aspire to be because he was that insane and that great. And let me tell you, too, a lot of people don't talk about this. Now, we all know he didn't win a Super Bowl, but when he played for the Bears, they were not a really a good team. But we all remember Dick Butkus, even if you didn't watch him. Of course I wasn't. I was born in 1985. I was born 20 years after he started his freaking career. So I've obviously never watched him in real time. But when I've watched highlights of him, and even before I watched highlights of him, I knew who Dick Butkus was because that's how fucking legendary the dude is. And you know who he is because he was so feared and so insane on the field. Um, Some of his career highlights also, like I said... They didn't start counting sacks until 1982, so we have no idea how many career um, sacks Dick Butkus has, and part of it is because, like I said, he played from 65 to 73. This is a time when uh, football wasn't really that popular. Uh, TV access was way, way, way different, of course, so we don't have a real idea of how many he has, so for all we know, he's got 200 sacks, and we don't even fucking know it, and it wouldn't shock me. Um, if he did have that many sacks, but anyways, his career highlights that we do know of two time defensive player of the year, five time first team, all pro intercept. He's got 22 career interceptions, 27 fumble returns. And uh, just seriously, uh, you should go watch highlights of all five of these dudes. But man, but kiss just was a, he didn't care. He just, it, it was like you, he was like a lion and you were his prey. And he just would annihilate you. Like, you know how I said Tatum would want to make you explode? He would want to, he wants to torture you to death. Basically, is what I equate uh, Dick Butkus to. He he sees the fear in you. He's, he's putting the fear in you from across the line. And even before you have the ball in your hands, you're shaking in your boots. And then once he gets to you, you have already shit your pants. And he's on top of you spitting in your face and saying, get the fuck up, you little bitch. Um, but Dick Butkus, most feared defender in the league ever that we have ever had. So if you have never seen any of these five guys and you want to see some good-ass defense and you want to see what we're missing from today's game, go watch these five guys. Go watch them because they were absolute killers and um, amazing, amazing NFL players throughout the history of time. Uh, so that is today's uh, episode. Uh, remember, if you are into uh, sports gambling, you can uh, go check out the uh, Sports Talk with TROP preferred sports books on my website. Just go to katytrop.net, click on the Sports Talk with TROP tab, and at the top of the screen, you will see a banner that says Sports Talk with Trop, TROP's preferred sports books. Click on that. You will see a few different sports books in, uh, if you uh, are in a participating state Uh, where you can gamble, and uh, if that's what you do, go ahead and check them out, and uh, gamble your life away, and uh, enjoy the uh, jam-packed weekend full of sports, and I will talk to you fools on Monday.